Welcome to Israel from the Inside, where we try to break out of the echo chamber, surfacing the wide array of often conflicting viewpoints that make up the mosaic of Israeli life. I'm Daniel Gordas of Shalem College in Jerusalem. Go to danielgordas.substack.com where you can subscribe to these podcasts and join our community of listeners and readers, access the archive of all these episodes, and post comments, interacting with others who share your interest in Zionism, Israel, and the future of the Jewish state. In the aftermath of the Knesset vote at the end of July, and at least the temporary suspension of all of the mass madness on the streets in all directions, in all cities, and people of very good souls on both sides of the divide, it's felt like it's long overdue to take a step back and to look at parts of Israeli society that actually fill us with inspiration and parts of Israeli society that bring us together and parts of Israeli society that do something that we focus on a lot in Israel from the inside, which is to show the spectacular people who do wonderful things in this country, um, brought on by good things, brought on by challenging things, brought on by the news, brought on by family experiences, and thankfully, now that the political world has taken a slight step back from the news, we have an opportunity to revisit some of that. And I have the real pleasure now of sitting with Pamela Becker. Pamela is the founder of an organization about which we're going to hear in a second uh, called Jeremy's Circle, named for her late husband, Jeremy. We'll hear more about that as well. Uh, but before we dive in, first of all, Pamela, thank you for having me at your home here in Tel Aviv. And um, thank you for taking the time to chat today. Well, thank you for having me, and this is a, quite an honor to have you here. And so let's just start with you. Uh, everybody's already heard your English, so they know that you weren't born in Israel. So tell us a little bit about you and how you ended up in North Tel Aviv. Okay, so I came, um, I, had, I have quite a passive Aliyah story. I came on a project, an artist project. I was, in my previous life, I was going to be a famous writer. And I had <laughs> um, came on an artist project um, in a rod, and um, and when the project ended, and I um, sold the short stories that I wrote, I sold five short stories. I made a total of twenty five dollars. Hope you didn't spend it all in one place. I did. I think I ate a falafel, and it was gone. And um, I got a job. I got a job in advertising, um, and um, realized that I was going to need to. Um, do other things besides being a famous writer. Um, started my MBA program, started an MBA at Tel Aviv University and met Jeremy Coleman. And that was it. My, my fate was sealed. I okay, was, now you, he came not from America, he came from England, right? He made Aliyah from England. And uh, yes, so I was working at this ad agency. Um, he had come with um, a group of friends from the Norazioni movement in London. Um, a friend, we had a mutual friend. Um, we met, our eyes locked across a the, crowded room. A crowded room with the bagels at the Brit Milan in Beit Shemesh. It was very, very romantic. Everyone else turned green. We did not. And 
the rest was history. And you'd been here in Israel how long when you guys met? I would say only about a year or two. Oh, so it was pretty quick. And he'd been here... The same. The same. So he came more or less the same time. And this is now back, we're talking in the 90s? The 90s, yeah. Yeah, we met, I think, in 96. We were married in 99. Okay. All right, so you're, 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 you met in 96. You're married in 99. A couple of kids come along. A few kids come along. Yes. And um, then tell us the story of how Jeremy's Circle got started. Okay, so our children, uh, our children were the youngest was a year was six months old, and our oldest was uh, six. When um, we and there's one in the middle, and right? There's one in the, and there was one in the middle. And their girl boy boy. There's their girl boy boy, and um, he had some trouble swallowing. They took all sorts of tests. Nothing really came came about. They. Whatever we couldn't, we, they couldn't figure out why he was having trouble swallowing until they did um, uh, gastroscopy. Um, and I remember coming in for the results. They call you have to come in for the results. Um, and we're sitting next to the doc, across from the doctor, who is about our age, and he's crying. Hmm. And he says, um, the surgeon who I trained under. He's like a father to me. I'm sending you to him tonight. Um, go there now. Um, these are the results. Um, and yes, we had. He had. Jeremy had stomach cancer. Um, we. He went within a week. He was in. He was in Ichalov Hospital, um, trying to remove the cancer. They removed half of his esophagus and his entire um, stomach, but they could not remove all the cancer, which puts it in stage four, and there were complications. He was in hospital for a month, um, and this, uh, this was, as you can imagine, you know, we were living the Israeli dream. We were both working in high tech. We had these three gorgeous little children. We were, we, this, was the, this was the life we had dreamed of. And, and it was all the ultimate sudden, successful Aliyah story. And it turned into a nightmare. It turned into a nightmare, and... That's it. Like, so how did the idea for what you currently organized and partly run and certainly spearheaded, how did that come to be? As he's ill, you guys had an idea, I guess, based on an experience that you had, right? I mean, so, right. so tell, what did people do for you that they later gave you this idea? Okay, so it took, it took some time. So um, now we go, we, um, Jeremy now, he transitions into this process of, you know, you go the uh, chemotherapy treatments and radiation afterwards and so on and so forth. But there was one brutal treatment after another. Um, and um, this is after he's back home. Um, I, he was getting, because the, he had no stomach and, and, and so forth, he was getting TPN, which is like being fed through a tube at night. Um, we were exhausted. I was working freelance. He was, it was just, it was exhausting. And our friends, this the Jeremy circle of friends, um, saw this. And uh, they would come on the weekends and they would take our three, the three booster chairs, which I, anyone with a small car in Israel knows, trying to shove three small children with their boosters into any car is, is already a challenge, but they did it. And they just basically took our kids, whatever they were doing over the weekend, whether it was a hike or a barbecue or to the movies or, or whatever. We all were kind of the same age, right? Their kids were the same age. So their kids had a normal weekend while we could rest. 
and this made Jeremy feel very lucky that he had the kind of friends and family that could support us in that way, that understood that the best way to take care of Jeremy was to take care of our kids and help them feel normal. Another thing that um, impacted, the, you know, that inspired what would become later Jeremy's circle was, I was, I, I have to admit, I was struggling. Of course. This was, I was, I made Aliyah. I, I didn't have family, and I, I didn't even have this youth movement of friends from ev forever around me. I mean, I had Jeremy's friends, but I, I... You'd really come alone. I had come alone, and I went to a support group um, for other caregivers, and my six-year-old daughter says to me that she wants to go to the support group, too. So, of course, I got permission, and I brought her, and everyone was lovely to her. And this, uh, this helped her very much. But then she said to me that um, she wanted to go to a support group, that she wanted to meet um, another little girl who, was, was, who had a daddy with cancer because everyone was saying to her, look, mom is not alone. Look, you, she's not the only mom that's taking care of a sick husband. Look, there are other moms like that. Just like that, there are other little girls going through what you're going through right now. And she was basically, you know, show me the money, you know, right. <laughs> like uh, prove it. And it took a few months and we found, we found another family. Um, and that me meeting with that other six-year-old girl and her mother, we went to a cafe and then we went to a park. It was, it was life-changing. You could see the shoulders of these two little girls drop inches um, and how much it, it, it helped them. They didn't talk about their fathers. They didn't talk about cancer or anything so heavy. They just played. But there was a connection there that um, they weren't alone, that, that was remarkable and, and valuable and healing. So later, um, when Jeremy was ill, when he was t very ill, um, and his sisters, you know, his sisters came in from abroad and we were spending quite a, a lot of time around the bed, you know. Um, we started talking about, and Jeremy really, again, as, was a very special person and felt lucky. This, this particular weekend, we could spend the time because his, his circle of friends had gone to the kibbutz that they used to go to all the time, the one that with their youth movement, that they were associated with with their youth movement. And of course, if they're going for the weekend to the kibbutz, they took our children for the weekend too. So we had this time to sit around the, the four of us and talk about what, how could we give back. To the four of us is you, Jeremy, and his sisters. And his sisters. What, Naomi, who is today a clinical psychologist, at the time she was a student, and Juliet, who um, comes from a computer background, from a, a technical background. And we talked about this idea of kind of like, almost like a play date database and br of bringing these children together. Um, and when he did pass away about a month later and people started saying, oh, you know, we, is there a charity that he believes in? Do you want to, can we give money to, do we plant a tree? What do we do? How do we express um, what we're feeling. And I said, you know what, put your money over here. We've 
worked with a com an organization called My Israel Charity, we have an idea. And um, sure enough, we started, we had um, like a beta run. Um, we, Which you say as a high-tech person. Yes, <laughs> I come from the startup world. So before starting off with your new project, you have to have a beta test, right? So what is the beta test? I invited the other... I had graduated by this time from the caregiver to the widow group, unfortunately, in the, the wellness center. And, um, and um, I said, come, bring, you bring hummus, you bring Trina, you bring hamburger rolls, we'll do a barbecue. If you don't have children, bring grandchildren, right? Because I was, clear, I was at the time, the youngest widow in the group. That, quite a, that happened quite a bit. And, um, and we'll see what happens. So there were 10 people. This was that your house back then? Yes, we were in a in a in a house that it was a rented house that had a large backyard, but it also had a large living room, set that was separate where you couldn't see one couldn't see the other. So the all the parents were down were at the barbecue and prepared, and they all came at twelve o'clock. And all the children, mine were the youngest. Gil at this point was one and a half. Zoe was um, Leo was five, and Zoe was seven. And the oldest kid that was there was seventeen. So there was a real range. They all planted themselves in the living room, and they came at 12 o'clock. At 10 p.m., I had to ask everyone to leave. There was something about, it was like they all, and none of these kids had met each other before. And it's a huge age range. And it was a huge age range, and it was a large number of kids for, it was a large living room, but it wasn't that large, it wasn't a football field, you know, it was, it was a room. So just the fact, you know, the bigger kids kind of took command of the of the situation whatever but it was but they all amazing. stayed together they all stayed together and it was amazing to me to see that wow there really is a strong need here and so we kept moving we had our first event um so uh i mentioned it at work i said okay i'm thinking of doing this event and so um, one person in the office is like oh you know i'm very i was active in scouts I know the Scouts in LaGuardia has a great space. I'll make sure you can use it. Um, LaGuardia, by the way, people should just know is an exit on the ILone, not the airport in New York. <laughs> yes. Right. We're talking about an area of Tel Aviv. Okay. Anyway, yes. go ahead. And it's a very nice Scouts area, much better than where my kids go to Scouts. But anyway, so, um, and um, and I start talking to social workers, trying to drum up interest in other people, and start um, getting the word out, and. Um, I called the social worker in Afula, and she goes, yes, I have 15 children. I'd like to hire a van and bring them. Is that okay? Afula's about, what, an hour-ish from here? A little bit over an hour. Okay. North, yeah. And, um, ish, yeah. And, um, and then somebody else, the girl who's, who, who just happened to be at the um, uh, uh, support group, because she's writing a project on support groups or something, she goes, oh, you know what? My boyfriend is a DJ, and... Um, uh, I'll find someone to pay for the equipment and we'll bring the DJ. And somebody else calls me and says, um, is it okay if I bring kosher catering and, um, hot dogs for about 100? Is that right? Is it okay? And I'm like, yes, it's okay. <laughs> um, you know, today we do pay for things. But, but it was like, it was like um, everyone was holding their breath and we just poked. And how long was this after Jeremy passed away? That first event was a Hanukkah event in... Jeremy passed away in July. So it was half a year later. So it was half a year later. It was, it was December 2008. That was our first event. And it was 
it was amazing. It was about 25 families, um, and um, they we had a makeup center. We had you know professional photography, and we you know so that you could go home with the picture of you in the make with the makeup and everything. And I saw there were these two kids who were battling it out in these like funny costumes. It was it's one of those. Uh, um, Culturally appropriated, yeah, as you okay, said. Fine, yeah. um, but they they put the they put the kids in these sumo wrestler outfits and they're they're battling it out and um, as and maybe it may be a little bit race, racist and whatever, but it's it's hysterical to watch. So I, I apologize if I offend anyone to say that, but um, the kids are having a blast and everyone watching them is having a blast except for this one woman who's crying. And I ask her, why are you crying? And she's the mom. And she said, this is the first time my kid has let loose and have fun in months. I have not seen him laugh in months. There is something about when there's tension at home. Um, say I'm a kid and I just lost my dad. Maybe, maybe I, don't, I don't feel like I should be having fun. I just lost my dad. Is it okay? But if I'm in a situation where other kids are, have gone through something else, similar, and they're having fun, then it gives me permission to be a kid that day. And that permission means a lot. That's one of the things that we've learned. Sometimes, sometimes we hold ourselves back and we do need that. We do need permission to, to live, to, to, move, to move forward. Um, so... I mean, it's been 15 years, and I can see even in your eyes as we're talking, the power of that moment. I mean, 15 years is a long time, but it's, it's still very, the, the power of that is clearly very raw still. Yes, yes. Because I, I have to say, as a young widow, I also felt that I needed permission um, to laugh and be a uh, human. Um, and not just a robot that woke up every morning, took care of her kids, went to work, financed the family, and so forth. I also needed permission from someone, some greater someone, to say it's okay. You, you know, you can have a life. You can be happy. So there's this network of families. Um, there are people who are ill. There are people who've already passed away. I assume sometimes it's the parents that are ill, and sometimes maybe I guess it's one of the kids yes. who's ill. And there's this growing network of people who discover in what's now already called Jeremy's Circle, I guess, right? We're a thousand families. Now, now. you're a thousand families. We're a thousand families from as far north as Naharia to Beersheba. In right, the so Naharia, very close to the northern border. Yes. And Beersheba, smack in the middle of the Negev. You're a thousand families. I know you don't ask, but you can still tell by names and the, name, the names of the villages where people come from. Are these all Jews? Do you have a sense? or? I think most of the people from the center are Jewish. Um, but more of the families in the north and in the south we see from the names of the villages. Uh, we, we have a diverse group. Um, and we do have people coming in traditional dress, whether, you know, the Druze, we have um, Druze and Muslim families that attend. Um, and I need to make this very clear because the reform is really so heavy on all of our minds. You mean the judicial reform that we're the all talking about? The judicial reform that um, is very hard not to think about 24-7. But um, cancer really doesn't care what side you are of the judicial reform. They really, it doesn't care. Right. 
And you know, it's interesting you're talking about having Jewish people and Muslim people and Jewish people. Um, my wife in a previous career was a clinical social worker who worked for a while when we got to Israel in a battered women's shelter. And it was a similar comment that she made to me once. She said, you know, when you're scared that your mom's going to get beaten up by your dad, you don't really care what religion the other kids are and you don't care if they're Haredi or secular or whatever. The kids just wanted to play together. And she said it was tragic in a way that it took being in a horrible situation in a family for these kids to break all those other barriers. Um, and this is also obviously, there's a lot of tragedy involved in the stories of the people that make up Jeremy's circle, but it does enable them to transcend, I guess, national yes. boundaries and religious boundaries. And here you're saying among the Jews, even political boundaries. Yes. Just last week, we were at Park Utopia, which is in near Netanya. It's this lovely um, park with beautiful flowers and, and a petting zoo and parrots that was it, indoor, indoor space? The, the, there's like a, a rainforest that's indoors, but there's also an outdoors with... Sounds um, great. It, I'll it's, take my it's grandchildren lovely. There. It is lovely. It's a great morning. But, um, and one of the families was complaining, yeah, we have to go home and cook dinner for our family, but not the family we like. This is our family. Like, because one of the things that we've heard quite a bit um, is... There's something about when someone gets cancer, a lot of the families that come to us, they tell their families, oh, I have cancer, and everyone disappears. Right. People are scared. It's a human, and so, so they feel alone, and, and then we're there, and we become their family. We're the one, we're, and, and we're really family, to the point where, you know, they'll even tell us what we're doing wrong, because, you know, family, family tells family. So you're a thousand families now that are part of this network. Yes. People that are currently ill, people who've lost people. How long have the longest people been part of this network now? So we have families that come, that continue to come that were in the very beginning. So it's 15 years, 14 years? Yes. He, um, the youngest brother, there were three brothers. One of the brothers was ill. Um, and the youngest brother, who, um, he still comes to our teen events to help out. Wow. And that's another thing that I think is very important about Jeremy's circle. There, I mean, there's something incredibly healing about helping. That's a very Israeli thing. I mean, it's, it's international and it's universal and it's human, it is. But there is something very Israeli about um, healing through helping. I mean, so many of the people that we've interviewed in this series over the years are people who, in response to some trauma, there is a guy whose brother was killed in an Arab terrorist attack who then went ahead and started this thing called Baderech L'Hachlama on the road to healing um, so that he could reach out and help other Arab people who needed to get to Israeli hospitals. And so much of this comes from a sense that I'm hurt, I'm maybe even broken in a certain way, and the way I'm going to fix me is by helping other people. I, I know it's universal, but it's just such an incredibly a deeply embedded part of the Israeli DNA. Now, you were running this on your own for a very long time, I guess with some friends or co Together with Jeremy's circle of friends, yes. As now, a at a certain point, there had to be some staff added, right? Right. So um, we are still that original group from his youth movement and his sisters who are still fundraising in England. Uh, my parents do fundraising in, in the United States. Um, and um, his closest friends and now their children, you know, um, also come and, and volunteer. It's like an intergenerational thing. They come to all our events. Um, but yes, then after a couple of years, once we reached a certain level, we had to hire um, a part-time director to make sure 
like um, that, uh, I call it fashla free, that we are. <laughs> yeah, fashla is like an Arabic word for uh, like sort of a disaster, a massive screw up, I guess. Right, so that everything, our books are, are beautiful. We you mean the, the the accounting books and all yes. that kind of stuff, yeah? Yes, all the things that I hate dealing with, but that are the government care cares of. about a lot. Yes, that keeps it so that we can legally accept tax deductible donations in Israel, America, and England. All of that is handled by a very, very proficient uh, admin guy. And this year, um, he's a part-time person. We hired a um, we 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 hired a, a youth leadership. Um, person to um, expand our teen program. We have recognized not only have the children of Jeremy Circle grown up, but also we are the feedback we got from the families is that is that the teens need more. You have a family fun day. That's amazing. The kids connect with each other. Um, they, you know, whether the parents don't have to come, but when they do come, they they we take care of everything. We the transport, the food, the water, the hats, the everything that they need, so that they can make these memories together and they can and they can and they can have that time. Teenagers need something else, and um, especially when um, their older siblings or so forth, the experience of the teens is quite different. Um, and so they become caregivers in a certain way at the same time as needing to be cared for, right? Some of them, or some of them will just slam the door and disappear for uh-huh. three years or whatever. I mean, every teenagers are teenagers. Um, um, anyone who's had one and hasn't regretted it, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, no, but uh, their needs are different. So we have special programs that are just for teens, no parents or younger siblings allowed. Because, like I said, we we know that if they are younger siblings, then they're coming to our events to babysit the younger siblings, right? So we do have. Um, so we did hire someone to expand that program because we see um, that there is a real need. Now, if a family. You know, God forbid, goes to the hospital because somebody's sick, and they're in Chadera, or they're in Naharia, or they're in Beersheba. How are they finding out about Jeremy's Circle? Um, it's mostly word of mouth. I mean, we do contact- from the staff, the nurses, or other patients. It's usually from the feedback that we get from the families because we ask them, "How did you hear about us?" Um, they hear about us from the other patients huh. or from a Facebook group or from a WhatsApp group. We do notify the social workers, and sometimes, like in Naharia, they're wonderful. They, they, they get all very active, and they call everybody. But other areas, not so much. So we, so we are very active on social media and trying to spread the word and asking people to help us grow. You know, if we're not the kind of club, what is it Woody Allen said? Like, uh, um, there's something about why would it, uh, you wouldn't want to be a member of any club that would have him or something like a, that. I don't know, but they, we're not the kind of club that you would want to join unless you need us. Right. We're it's, it's a ter- we're a terrible club to join. Who want who would who what what normal person would say? Oh, I'd love to take my kids to a to a to a group where the par- children have parents with cancer, right? Unless you have cancer, right? And your kids need it. In a way that they need, they need to breathe. Just to wrap up, there's a nice story. Part of the, there's another nice part of this story, which of course is that somebody else shows up at one of your meetings, like one of the first events. Yes, and his name is Alon. Yes, um, it was bound to happen. The widow of Ramat Aviv, the widower of Moaz Aviv. At least four different people tried to get us together, um, and 
uh, finally, he brought his boys to a Jeremy Circle event, and I, since then, I've, we've merged our families. I've adopted his boys, have four boys <laughs> and a girl, <laughs> and, and, um, um, and yes, we don't, we don't have anything delicate in our home. It's a great story. I mean, it's a sad story, obviously. Anytime anybody loses a spouse at an early age, it's a terribly sad story. But obviously, on your personal side, the fact that you guys met up and blended families and have a, another new bright chapter, hopefully, God willing, a very long chapter, is a wonderful story. But I think the really Israeli part of this and the, the part of this that says something about Israeli society is what you just said before about how people in Israel tend to help themselves heal by helping other people. And uh, Jeremy Circle, when I first heard about it, actually from your sister, um, is really just a kind of a classic example of that. And I thought, especially in, uh, as you pointed out, these are, these are heavy times and they're dark times and they're very divisive times. And people that we actually like a lot and respect a lot who end up on the other side of the line, for whatever reason, it becomes hard to talk to them. It becomes hard to even have dinner together. It's just, it's hard. And so to hear a story about people who have taken much worse crises and and built real beauty out of it and real love out of it is a reminder of really the greatness that's at the core of this society and it's a reminder i think of the things that people like you and people like me and people like our friends and our families all need to work together to bring back to the surface and to try to rebuild a little bit of what has for so many many years for so many of us made this such a wonderful place to be so pamela thank you for sharing your story thank you for all that you've done for yourselves and your other families and for everybody else that hasn't joined but unfortunately one day will need to join thank you for the the, the rays of amazing light that you are in israeli society well thank you very much thank you you've been listening to israel from the inside Go to danielgordas.substack.com where you can hear more of these episodes. If you have ideas for topics you'd like us to explore, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, I'm Daniel Gordas.